welcome to the Roundtable Podcast, 831-2020. I'm your host, Q, joined by Saint. Saint, how are you doing? How was your weekend? It's pretty good, man. It was a uh, Madden weekend officially, so had me a good old time. <laughs> You've been doing pretty good as far as online play? Uh, I haven't had a ton of trouble um, personally, uh, but I have learned that... Um, when I say things like that, and this is prior to stepping away from social media, but when I say things like that, I get uh, demonized because I feel like my experience is my experience and that's what I go off of versus everyone else's. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel very uh, Bernie Mackish from um, Soul Man when we talk about them kids. You know, F them kids. <laughs> yeah. F the kids, F them kids. It's working for me, it's all I care about. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. I've seen people online talk about the kind of what you were telling before about the user. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't too pleased with it. But I'm pretty sure that once the game ages a little bit, they'll get all the bugs out. Well, that's always my other gripe as well. Like, uh, so in most communities, um, you want a game that's not bum friendly. And when games go out of their way to incorporate a, a skill gap, so to speak, or uh, something in the game that takes some time, skill, and effort to master to set yourself apart, it feels like the majority of communities complain about it until they get time with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, well, this is a great addition. But it seems like the companies end up listening more to the casuals that pick it up to get rid of the skill gap that's... Um, trying to be put in place for it to go back and be a dumbed down game for uh, casuals to be able to compete and have a good time instead of um, the doggy dog that I feel like it should be at times. Right. Well, moving right along, it's been a crazy week, but I should say it's just been 2020 because it seems like 2020 is a crazy year. Uh, we have a, I would say a couple, we have more than a couple of deaths in the sports world and in the Hollywood. Uh, first, we lost Chadwick Bosman, the, the Black Panther actor, Jackie Robinson, uh, Thurgood Marshall passed away of cancer. Uh, then we also have John Thompson, the former legendary Georgetown coach. Uh, he, people he coached was Patrick Ewan, Allen Iverson, just to name a few, uh, passed away at 78 yesterday, or was it today? Actually, it was early this morning. Uh, we also lost Clifford Robertson of the Portland Trailblazers, Phoenix Suns, New Jersey Nets, and Detroit Pistons. He died at 53, not sure the cause of death. Uh, we also lost uh, Luke Olden, I believe his name, uh, Arizona legendary coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he coached players like Richard Jefferson, Gilbert Arenas, Mike Bibby. Uh, so it was a lot of deaths, man, going on the past week, and also the NBA postponing and now resuming. So it's been a lot going on. Yeah, it was uh, it was trying. Um, the Chad Chadwick uh, passing kind of hit me in the sense of like a Kobe passing. Um, yeah, definitely. just because uh, what he has been to not just um, action movies, but just the culture for the last, uh, probably say the last 10 years or so that he started to make his mark and uh, started to get momentum. And you went out of your way to try to find his old, uh, his older projects all the way up to the new ones. Um, 
21, was it 21 Bridges? If you have yeah. not seen that, that junk is very good. I would definitely I suggest seen it. Yeah, but I heard a lot about it. Yeah, that junk's really good. Really good. I enjoyed that. Um, and I mean, for the older people that have passed, it's always unfortunate. I do feel like they end up living a, a fuller life um, to think mm-hmm. that uh, Chadwick was. 43 is like that's a whole 10 years away um and to think that in 10 years you could be uh you could not be here and it makes you uh reevaluate just how you treat people or it should make you reevaluate how you treat people and how you spend your energy and chasing your dreams if that's what you have going um chase after them just because tomorrow really isn't promised seeing um younger people pass as well as older um that john thompson one hurt too just because uh when i was watching college basketball uh georgetown was one of my favorite teams just for him alone considering that he had uh ewing um he had ai alonzo morning came from there and just some dogs in general that they were able to build inside of that Princeton offense that I so love so much. Won't work in today's NBA, but I still love the offense. Yeah, that's a pretty good offense. I remember being younger and our coach was implementing some of those principles uh, just in like Little League, just passing and getting the right shot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it kind of just knowing that like John Thompson and uh, Luke Olson, like those coaches though they were legendary kind of takes away from your childhood like wow these uh, this is when college basketball was college basketball when they had the they didn't just have Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari they had the John Thompsons they had the Luke Olson they had the um, um the other coach that I forgot his name he coached Clemson uh or was it Dick uh Dick Cheney I think his name was or not Dick Cheney, but it was Cheney, last last name Cheney. <laughs> and uh, just those certain coaches, man, that, you know, I don't know, man. It just seems like our childhood is fading away each year. So, you know, we're tragic deaths. Um, moving on to the NBA playoffs, we had a couple teams that were able to close things out, get things in order for the second round. We had Los Angeles Lakers beating the Blazers, you called it, and uh, six games. It was a seven. Uh, nah, it was five. five. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, you call that. Then we also had the Clippers finally taking out Dallas yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a hard fought game. Luka just didn't have enough firepower with him. With Porzingis being injured, he just didn't have a lot to give. I mean, he gave his part, but the players surrounding him couldn't create their own shot. Clippers took advantage. Clippers closed things out. Um, we also saw. Uh, Jamal Murray put on a great performance again, scoring 50 points to make the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets series go to Game 7. We do have also Boston getting Game 1 over Toronto, which I feel like that's going to maybe go 7. I don't know. I think that's going to be a close game. And then today we have Miami versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Right now it's halftime. Milwaukee's leading by 3. He's 62-65. Um, actually, Chris Middleton has 21 points. Uh, the Greek Freak only has nine. Uh, right now, it looks, it's looking like it's going to be a close game. Not sure who's going to win that. And then the game that we have at 9 p.m. today is the Oklahoma City Thunder 
against the Houston Rockets. Uh, we're gonna see if Houston can close out. So with me saying all these games, saying what game stands out to you the most that you kind of intrigued by? Um, it was a series that ended already that um that I was most intrigued by, honestly the the Clippers and the Mavericks. So okay, I think I might have harped on it uh, last week, but. In my mind, if you have arguably, well, we know Kawhi is a lock, but if you have two of the, and Pat, Pat Bev didn't play because he was hurt, but if you have two of the three best perimeter players in the league, I don't understand how um, a ball dominant guard forward or what have you is able to do or have the free range to do all that he did. Uh, don't get me wrong, Luca's a dog, definitely. I don't. He put on an amazing performance, but to toss him in as a bona fide superstar, for me and my criteria, doesn't uh, doesn't fit. Um, he's definitely taking. If he does this again next year or keeps this same kind of intensity throughout the year, then I would have no problem with tossing him in with the with the uh, the top creep of the crop NBA players um, as far as stars are concerned. But for me, there's no way as a coach that if I don't have Kawhi on him, that I don't have PG on him and not switching off during screens and everything else, trying to create mismatches. And for the life of me, I don't know if it's one of those things to where just growing up watching basketball in the old school capacity versus uh, the switch everything and be very versatile uh, game that is today. But I feel like we, there's entirely too much switching um, that goes along so much so that it seems like whenever a player is getting off or getting clamped, they're not going to do anything else, but um, just put a, just put out a screen and force the big to come out and defend, which eight times out of 10, that guard should kill that big, or even the forward should be able to kill that big. And if there's no help or, and once again, it just could be me having uh, older principles of basketball thinking that, um, I don't want to say it graduated to a, a 2K game logic when it comes down to it, to where they're just like, oh no, let him ISO and let him do what he's going to do. And this is like, well, why not run somebody at him? Why not? Like, True. Some of those games, they did trap him um, and threw different looks at him and things along those lines. But I guess I would just live, I would live with Tim Hardaway Jr. taking shots and knocking down threes. Um, I would live with Boban taking mid-range jump shots, but I'm not going to let that guy beat me. I think Charles Barkley says this all the time as well, too. Is this, he's not going to beat me. Somebody else can beat me. Um, the same can be said for Jamal Murray. Like, why aren't they trapping that? <laughs> Throw some bodies at him. If he makes some tough shots, then, you know, he makes some tough shots. But why are we letting him go one-on-one and he's pulling out 50 clips? Like, a guy give me 50, I'm not letting you come down to court and just do what you want to do. Like, no, that's not how that works. You're going to work, or you're going to have to get a ball up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the series, this uh, this go-around, I think that uh, Milwaukee Heat series is going to be very interesting just because how hard knows uh, the Heat are now. Um, I want to call the Bucks in six on that one. Uh, just because I don't think they're going to be able to slow down Greek enough per. I got Boston going in seven in that series. Uh, 
I don't know who who does LA get after LA gets the winner of the oh it doesn't matter because both of those teams are waiting um, yeah. both LA teams I got them taking it in six uh, uh-huh. with whoever their opponent ends up being okay I see okay alright you, you got the same mindset that I have when it comes to LA with both teams I do agree with that Dallas and that Clippers series it was a lot of mismatches as far as like defensively for the Clippers I don't I don't want to say it was the coaching, but I just think they un- underestimated uh, Luca a little bit, which is kind of crazy to say. But I think they kind of just made it to the point where um, they was confident in one-on-one play, whether it was Reggie, whether it was Paul George or Kawhi. But a lot of times you didn't really see a lot of defense being played on Luca with Kawhi or with Paul George. Like you said, it was always somebody smaller. You got Lou Williams, you had. Reggie Jackson, you had Marcus Morris. And it was like, you got two of the best two-way defenders in the league. Why are they not guarding Luka? Every time down the floor, he needs to be looking at him. Like, no. Somebody needs to sacrifice some scoring or go ahead and and considering that PG... That was my right. Yeah. (laughs) PG was struggling the whole series, so why not put all all your energy into making sure that you make uh, make Luka's day miserable? Um, but as you can see, Kawhi was putting up his numbers. He still was getting a thirty piece. I was, I, I was them. I would have, I would have threw, uh, yeah, like you said, PG on them. I didn't realize. Like, so I always knew Kawhi was a dog. Um, yeah. I caught the fourth quarter yesterday uh, of the closeout game. What I didn't know that he was that laser focused. He was knocking down the midi, taking them off the dribble, hitting threes. Yeah has better court vision now. He is becoming a full-blown complete player. The only thing that I think that he's lacking still is uh, ball handling and um, just just court vision as a whole because he's not the the greatest passer. Right. I think Kawhi, when he's – because he has that Popovich teaching, when it's time to get focused, he knows how to, you know, tune in. Like, even with Toronto and Golden State – uh, I know a lot of people thought that, you know, even with KD playing, that Toronto still had a chance of winning um, before the injuries happened. But why was still, like you said, he was he was laser focused. I think that's why when he was a free agent, a lot of teams wanted him just because they saw what he did with Toronto. Um, so my question to you is, you know, we, you did say that the Rockets are going to close it out tonight and they're going to beat OKC, but then they go against the Lakers, you don't see that series, the Rockets versus the Lakers going seven games? No, um, mainly because who's going to guard AD? Uh, I forgot they got the small ball. <laughs> oh, the barbecue man. chicken, no matter who you put down there on them. That backfired and... quite <laughs> quickly. <laughs> and I get it that they're not uh, the sense of like defense and defensive intensity are I think a thing of the past now, but even still, uh, with AD being that much bigger than their center, um, you have uh, a number of offensive rebound potential now. Um, You have defensive rebounds for the days that uh, those boys aren't hitting their threes like they're supposed to be. And 
even still, everyone that plays on the Lakers is athletic enough to make the switch for all of the switching that goes on in today's game. Gotcha, yeah. Um, I think I think it would be competitive just because Russell Westbrook is playing and he's not going to go out like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on James Harden because of James Harden's struggles in the playoffs. And I think to me, this is Mike D'Antoni's last opportunity. Uh, I think if he doesn't get in the finals, period, um, he's gone. They're going to go in a new direction. Um, they're going to figure out something to do. Um, when you have two of those type of caliber players, you're going to have to, have to find the right chemistry to go with those players. Not saying that, you know, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker is not good role players, but we got to make sure that when they're going to get top teams like those LA teams or Milwaukee, that they are able to compete. It's mm-hmm. not just all on Russell and James Harden just to score. Well, I mean, the biggest thing for them is just uh, uh, hitting the shots. Analytics have more or less ruined uh, sports, not just the NBA, but sports in general. Mm-hmm. So much so that it's, well, the three, the corner three is the the corner three, the dunk, and the layup are the three most effective shots now. Nowhere does it say mid-range, and and it's looked at as a poor shot selection considering how fast the game is now. Um, And guys are just putting up buck or putting up shots so much so that if they're hitting 40%, 50% of uh, their three balls, then you're going to outscore people just based on the numbers themselves, not necessarily running anything spectacular as far as scheme is concerned. Switch out, get a big out on your uh, primary playmaker and let them do what they're going to do. And if they rotate over, there's a three. You spoke about Jamal Murray earlier. um, Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we were talking about how the Nuggets have tied and made this go to a game seven. Uh, I know that you have Utah winning that series. I have Denver pulling it out. Mm -hmm. But I think either one of those teams are going to give the Clippers trouble if they decide to play nonchalant and sloppy like that, especially if Paul George Head is not in the game. Because Denver has too much talent. And Utah, like you said, Donovan Mitchell, he's on a whole nother level. You got a great ball handler, Mike Conley. You know, if one of those wing players not guarding either one of them, it's going to be some trouble. (laughs) I think the easier matchup for the Clippers would probably be, uh, would probably end up being the, I'm going to say the Nuggets, actually, just because um, Joker's not the elite of a defender. And, Mm -hmm. um, if they're not hitting their jump shots and Kawhi seems to be, at least at this point, the only person that can create a, a decent shot, uh, sweet lemon chicken Lou could create his own shot as well. <laughs> right. um, Reggie might shoot you out of the game and just based on performance wise, PG may be a liability, uh, but those guys are, are big enough and Jokic is going to cause a bunch of problems uh, for Big Zoo when it comes down to it. So uh, that becomes a thing. But in the Utah case, you really just have to slow down uh, Spider and keep those role guys from doing what they're going to do. I'm not, you're not worried about, uh, what's his name? No, I can't think of his name. 
Rudy Gobert doing anything outside of dunking the ball, I mean, he's going to be a, a, a monster on defense, but if I'm not worried about him scoring, yeah. like, all right, well, we'll just help off of his man and keep him yeah, away from the basket. I think that with Rudy Gobert, that's a liability when it comes to him being on the floor when Donovan Mitchell, I mean, of course you could throw oof, but that's kind of pretty much it. He's mm. more of a player that's going to help you defensively. Uh, he'll claw that lane up. Um, definitely a Paul George, boy, I try to get him there. So, but with Kawhi and Paul George, even though Paul George's having an off playoff so far, they're a great mid-range shooter. So, I mean, to pull up to the free throw line, shoot before they get to the hole, I think that'll help them. I'm quite interested to see what happens with that. Um, let me ask you one more question about the Clippers. Do you think Marcus Morris is a dirty player? I don't think that he's as dirty as people are making him out to be. I think he might be chippy and a crafty veteran, but I don't think he has like ill content on uh, injuring someone to the point to where they're unable to play. If you go back to uh, a conversation that Cove and uh, T-Mac had, mm-hmm. they go over a, the, a story where they talk about uh, T-Mac had a sore back or something along those lines. Kobe knew about it and Kobe hit him in it. Uh, right. So it's not a thing of like, oh, well, I'm being dirty. Like, no, I just want to see where it is. Is it... Um, I guess it would be considered dirty to hit somebody where you know they're hurting that, but as a competitor, you're trying to take every advantage that you can. I don't think that uh, Mark is it Markeith or Marcus Marcus. on the Clippers and Markeith is on the Lakers. Okay, I don't think Marcus has any content of like was trying to make it to where Luca couldn't play anymore. It was just mm-hmm. testing to see where the strength of that ankle was, or to see if he can get into somebody's head. But a lot of it is still mind games too. If I can get you going in a direction that you're not trying to go, then I'm one. If I get you off a little bit. It's a lot of psychological stuff that goes into basketball or sports in general. Yeah, I, I think that I don't know. I wouldn't say he's a dirty player because I've seen him play in Detroit a lot. And to me, he was he's a very underrated player. I think the Clippers got a good steal when it comes to him. He's a fake ass tough guy, though. <laughs> that man has brother, man. They some bullies. They try to be some bullies. Um, just being kind of a stretch forward, I think that helps the Clippers a lot, space out uh-huh. the uh, floor. Um, so moving right along, uh, we talked a little bit about the Boston versus Toronto series. Um, right now, Boston is up game one. They took it from Toronto. A lot of a lot of NBA experts, analysts, I've kind of watched over the past couple of weeks have picked either one of these two teams to go to the finals. They kind of just said forget Milwaukee and Miami to a certain extent because they feel like kind of what you said, they got some dogs, they're gritty, um, they're competitive and I know Jason Tatum is becoming a superstar. Uh, do you see Boston winning this series or do you see Toronto eking it out? Oh, I want to go with Toronto winning it out despite oh, my okay. earlier pick of Boston. Um, just because You're undefeated right now in the playoffs, man, you got them all right. So I'm, I'm gonna go with you on this. You said you think Toronto might be able to squeeze it out. Why you think Toronto? Just because uh, Boston does have the the group scoring and everything like that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Toronto has pretty much that same core of guys together they won a championship with and have still been playing at a relatively high level. Both are extremely um, well-coached teams, but across the board, there's no yet Siakam that would, if we're going... uh, if we're going position for position. You got Siakam that nullifies Tatum. Um, Boston doesn't have an answer for Marcus Gasol. And as much as I despise Kyle Lowry and all of the flopping that he does, um, hey, Kyle get... Lowry can't get no love nowhere. <laughs> I don't give him no love either, but buddy, be flopping, man. Like you bad. look like a little flounder. <laughs> he does. Uh, I would. You got Van Bleek off the bench. Um, got Kyle Lowry and OG is starting to emerge. Finally, it took him like four years, but he's finally starting to turn into something. Um, and just the overall scrappiness of the team as a whole. Uh, they have the slight nod. And it's the same squad from last year. They didn't. Although you lose an MVP caliber player in Kawhi, they still kept the core guys together and they've been playing tremendously throughout the year. And I think they thrive on the idea that people are underrating them. All these guys don't have a chance, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I think that Toronto just, you got to remember that even though Kawhi's not there, they're still the defending champions. Right. So they're going to have that chip on their shoulder and they're going to have something to prove. Um, I can see that going seven games. I'm still going to go with Boston, although I'm a Lakers fan. It hurts me to pick Boston to win anything. Um, I will say that I think Boston, just because of Kimberg, just because of Jalen Brown and Tatum, I think they will overpower them. But I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto wins either. Like, after, like it's one of those series like Denver and Utah. It can go either way, depending on who gets the, the most momentum. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you this because I was a little pissed off. So the Indiana Pacers decided to let go of their coach, Nathan Millen. Uh, he was there for, I believe, three seasons. He was able to make them somewhat of a playoff team um, due to injuries by Oladipo, Sabonis. Um, there was just a lot of things that were happening. They just brought Brogan on the team from Milwaukee. Um, there weren't, uh, to me, I don't feel like he had enough time to jail with that team. I feel like it was his first legit season to have it. And this, Victor Oladipo missed half of this season anyway with a injury that he suffered from last season. Mm. Um, I just don't like the whole narrative of this black coach being fired. It's kind of bothering me because at first I was like, you know what, maybe it's just me and I'm just thinking too hard about it. But it just seems like they don't get as many opportunities to fail or to have you know, time to rebuild their team. I look at Fitzdale in New York. I look at Fitzdale in Memphis. I look at, you know, Mark Jackson, although he has some type of issues with the front office. Um, I just look at certain instances where you look at a situation where it took forever for Brett Brown to get fired. And Tony is still with Houston. I mean, Thibodeau, I don't know. He had the whole baby bulls on the Timberwolves. So it took him a while to get let go. I just feel like it's just not fair. I think Nate McMillan did a good job of what he had. Um, I mean, I guess you could say they're going into a different direction because I'm hearing rumors that they're, they want to trade Victor Oladipo just because of the emergence of TJ Warren. They feel like they got some bonus and they can maybe have some more pieces to surround that core. Um, Victor Oladipo, to me, uh, he had a breakthrough season uh, last year, the year before, before getting hurt. 
Um, it kind of sucks that he's always in trade rumors from him getting traded from uh, Orlando to OKC and you know, OKC to Indiana. I feel like he's pretty much he's a bona fide all-star. He might not be a superstar, but he's definitely an all-star. And I don't know. I've heard that he might go to Miami and they can smile him with some pieces or whatnot. But I just want to ask you, Saint, what do you feel about this firing? And do you feel like it's a conspiracy against African-American coaches? Uh, the short answer to the question is no. Um, I don't think that it's any kind of conspiracy. Uh, do, in some cases, do some guys get more time and opportunity than others? Definitely. Uh, Rick Carlisle has been the Mavericks coach, and they, what the hell did they win the last time? That was like uh, the big three in Miami was the last time they were able to win. But the they're beloved by uh, the fan base, and or he's beloved by the fan base, and all that he was able to do for um, Dallas as a whole, getting them guys to that place. Uh, I do think that it depends on the market as well, because if it's a team that embodies winning, so like the Lakers or the Celtics or. Um, well, those are the two main teams that you think about winning all the time that um, when they're not winning, you see a bunch of coaching changes and the guys only get one to two seasons to turn some things around uh, for the big name school or not schools, the big name teams, the big market teams. But uh, Nate McMillan didn't have a, a ton to work with uh, just yeah, because like you were saying, arid injuries and all. Uh, but in that same boat, those guys were still... Uh, a run-of-the-mill team, and it it looked as if that was as far as he would be able to get those boys as far as the potential is concerned. Um, I did... I think the one that made me absolutely crazy was uh, Dwayne Casey getting fired after taking the uh, Raptors to... Raptors. Yeah, I think he won... Did he win Coach of the Year and got fired that year? Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, they ran into that monster LeBron, <laughs> and that was the big, you know, thing where they said, "Well, he can't get past the Cavaliers, he can't get past LeBron, so we let him go." And he was like, "Well, look at the circumstances. Like, how much responsibility do you have to give the players and not give the coach? I mean, Man. sometimes it's kind of like, all right." Just think about Dwayne Casey having Kawhi versus De- DeMar DeRozan. That's not taking anything from DeMar DeRozan. He's a great player, but you know he's not Kawhi. So think of, you know, if Dwayne Casey was able to have a Kawhi and have those pieces and be able to go against LeBron in that situation, you know, it might be a whole total different story. That did drive me a little crazy too. It's like I understood, but it's like, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know? It's right. like, wow. Well, in that Kawhi thing, though, I know that I was pleasantly surprised because I was under the impression that he was a systems guy. Um, like, you saw glimpses of him playing with uh, with Pop originally, um, but you still, at the end of the day, realize that they play in a system. And with learning said system, uh, you know, where guys are going to be, where shots are going to be, et cetera, et cetera. And... Uh, no one took away from what Timmy was capable of doing at all just because they knew that he was a dog, but still in that same breath, systems guy. You got when Tony Parker left um, and he was an old 
beaten and battered Tony Parker to his credit, but still the most, uh, the majority of all of his success came from playing in a system that fit his skill set. I don't think that uh, when it comes down to teams and players playing in certain uh, in certain environments that, that work for their skill set, if you take said player off and put them somewhere that they have the same results. As great of a shooter as Steph is, I don't think that in that OKC time that you full swap him for Russ, that Steph is that same player. I just don't. Yeah. And it was one of the things that made it so hard for me to call him uh, during his tenure that when they were winning everything, um, the best player in the world. It's like, no, you can take LeBron and pretty much put him anywhere and they become uh, contenders. You take Steph and put him anywhere, they don't necessarily become contenders. That's not how they lie. Like, with Steph, and Steph, if you ever listen to our podcast or we ever blow up and you listen to the old podcast, I'm sorry. But I always felt like Steph, he is a great player, but I feel like without that supporting cast, he is a another just a stat stuffer to me. Like he's a great player. I think he's a yeah, I think he's a superstar. He has the titles and everything. But when it comes to those championship teams, I've always said that Curry out of the three or the four of his when Durant was on there, Curry would be like number three or number four as a contributor. Like you would have like the twenty 16, the one that they lost with the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Draymond was balling that series. He was the one that was kind of putting the, the team on his back and uh, Clay. Steph mm-hmm. was getting ejected and he was having bad games. Then those two other finals they won, Durant was just balling. There was nothing you can do with Durant. He was unstoppable. He was playing like a man. Right. Of course, i not taking anything from Curry. He, to me, is just, I don't know. When they was giving him the overhype of putting him in the, you know, the best point guard of all time, that's when I was like, yo, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Just wait a second. <laughs> He's going to go down as one of the best point guards, but I'm not going to put him number one. I'm not going to put him over Magic. I'm not going to put him over Isaiah. I'm not, not even putting him over John Stockton right now. You know, let him, let's see what happens when his career is over and we'll re, re, you know, trace that step, but I'm not going that far. Yeah, I, I, what's funny is that I had that same talk when um, he was number 13 or something on the list of uh, three-point shooters. So he's the greatest shooter of all time. Like, wait a minute. There's 11 more players in front of this joke, and he's the greatest shooter of all. Come on now. Will he get there when his, uh, his career tapers off and all of this other stuff? But definitely. But let's not disrespect the 12, 10 to 12 players that are in front of him now. I'm always the greatest shooter of all time. Like, no. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. I just, I don't like giving players that title until they retire. And wait till I let them retire and their career is over with. Do I put Steph as the top, some of the top shooters all the time? Of course I do. He's broken the record. He's proven it. But I don't want to give him the title of the best. Just like I never was comfortable with LeBron saying he's the go. Do I feel like is there opportunity? Maybe. I just don't know because the career is not over. It's different times, different eras. Is he the best shooter of this era? Of course Steph is. Mm-hmm. Is LeBron pretty much the best player of his era? You know, that whole two thousand mid-2000s till now? Probably so. But it just let's just wait till their careers is over with and then we'll be able to give a better narrative. I used to be guilty of that. As I got older, I started realizing that that's not fair to the older players. It's not fair to the current players, and you never know who could emerge. You know, now we saying Luca, let's compare to Larry Bird. 
Luka's a great player. He's only Luka been in the league for two years. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons with him and Larry Bird. Uh, he's the best white boy since Larry Bird. <laughs> and But he hasn't won anything yet. Two he's only, years. And that's my yeah, that's my thing. And I think this is might be this might be his third year now. But give him some time. Let him now. If he plays at this level and wins some things, then we can start maybe visiting that. But he's a third year player, the great player. Let him get a chance to at least make the Western Conference Finals before we jump the gun. Do I think he's one of the best? You know, no offense to my fellow white brothers. Do I feel like he's one of the best white guys I've seen? Yeah, yeah, I do. But I'm not going to put him number one until I see the finished product. I mean, remember when Derrick Rose came out? Mm-hmm. We thought Derrick, I, I still think if Derrick Rose never got injured, he could have went down one of the best point guards of all time. But because of the injuries, we kind of hopped the gun and people were already throwing him in there. And look, look what happens. It just, you got to be careful when you do that. Yeah, you definitely do. And Luca's only been in, he got drafted in 2018. So oh, two okay. years, and they're already putting him in <laughs> as one of the greatest players, one of the top 50 players. He's better than that guy. After two years, but come on, man. He hasn't. He hasn't. But, <laughs> but, I, but you know how the media is. They need a narrative. Like you said. Yeah, I get it. So we need something that's going to, you know, either. We're going to need something that's going to get clicked. We don't necessarily need you to agree with what we're saying. We just need you to see it and go, hmm, let's see what they're talking about and then kind of go for it. Right. But there's no way in hell that in year two of this man's career that we're talking about him and Larry Lett. Come on, man. Let's not, yeah, let's not disrespect Bird like that. I ain't going to, even though he's Boston, I can't disrespect Larry like that. No, Larry can't disrespect legs, Larry. Man. No, let's not do that. <laughs> I got so, a uh, curveball for you, though. I think okay, I, go ahead. I had uh, hit you up about it before. And I will argue that despite LeBron being in talks for the GOAT uh, conversation, that mm-hmm. outside of uh, longevity and um, his court vision passing and all that other stuff, that he was only, that he's only average at all of the other places and phases in basketball. Oh, okay. Um, that's a, I had to think about that too today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see, okay, so with LeBron, I, I think he's a one of the best players of all time. Um, his career is winding down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the you know, some some years I get mad and say he's the goat when I when Michael Jordan pisses me off or something. He says I might say he the goat just because of spite Michael. But I had to look at LeBron's game. One th- one thing I would always say about LeBron, you know, that's not taking from anything from him because he could probably dribble better than me. He's never been a great ball handler to me. Average. He's been able. Yeah, he's been. He's a person that can keep the ball and he can make great decisions. Great passer. Uh, one of the greater passers of all time. I don't think his ball handling is that good. His free throw shooting is not that good at all. Average. Yeah. <laughs> um, shooting, average. Three-point shooting, average. It's, you know, I, I would say that it's gotten better. I I wouldn't want to leave LeBron open too many times. Um, I see your point. I can see where you said you would take parts of his game and say, these are not just really amazing. 
Right. I think it's gotten to the point too now that he's an older player. He's just more smarter than everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's able to get on the court. He's able to look and see what he can do. It's kind of like if you play in 2K and you got like somebody has like an upper echelon team and you might have a weaker team, but they just know how to play with that team. Mm-hmm. Like I I think I played you one time. You had like the Nuggets before they even had anybody or something like that. I think they had Eagle Dogger still on their team. And you was like, I think I had the Knicks and they had like Melo and Kid and everybody and you knew what to do so yeah, <laughs> yeah. you gotta just be smarter than the other player and I think LeBron does that it's just like I people are like yeah LeBron he's not my favorite player I just I feel bad for him sometimes because he gets criticized a lot um, sometimes it's his own doing by some of the things he might say in the media but you know it <sighs> I can't. I want to disagree with you, but I can't disagree with you completely because <laughs> a lot of some of his game is not the. You know, he's not the like you said the best ball handler. Uh, his even his. I don't. I see LeBron drive, but nowhere near. And that's because he's an older player as well. He's not the person that drives all the time anymore. He's. To me, I think LeBron is getting to the point where he wants to play off ball, but he has mm-hmm. to do so much to facilitate his team and make sure they're in the right position that he has to have the ball at all times. Even when Rondo, or even when, uh, say, Caruso, or any backup point guard they have, he has to have that ball. He's, you know, 6'8", 36-year-old guy. You know? <laughs> he, has to, he has to be the one that's in charge, which kind of sucks. But when you're a player of LeBron's caliber, I guess it doesn't mean that much of whatever it takes to win. Great. Yeah, it becomes a bunch of uh, ball watching when he's on the floor, in my opinion. Um, True. Just because he's I, not great off the ball. I've seen a. I call AD. I'm, he's guilty of it. I think because it's the 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 aura of LeBron. Sometimes mm-hmm. players just around him get caught up and see what he wants to do. LeBron's never been a great one on one player like that. He's not going. He's not a Kyrie. He's not a James. Where he's he's shaking you up. You know, there's times where he has, but it's not his go-to. Uh, right. Once he, if he, you know, you notice with each LeBron team, he has to have shooters around him because he can get to the hole, but he might get stuck and he needs to bail out. <laughs> he definitely needs that. And I think with AD and being the player that he is, it takes that attention off of LeBron. I'm curious to see who wins the NBA MVP. I know Giannis is. They, they're saying Giannis, but LeBron's been balling. So I don't know. So we'll see when it comes to that. Right. I, I would take Giannis myself personally, but we'll see. Like you said. Yeah. Your boy BG won the most improved player today. So shout out to him. B.I. I keep calling him BG. My bad. <laughs> B.I. Uh, he definitely won. Uh, I keep telling him winning, people man. he was a dog, too, man. It'd be killing me on this. <laughs> They don't listen to you and say they sound good. <laughs> so uh, before we end this podcast, I want to move on to the NFL. We haven't talked about the NFL in a while. Uh, looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars are making a lot of moves. And one of their recent moves is releasing Leonard Fournette. Uh, Leonard Fournette was, I believe, the number four pick in the 2017 draft. Mm-hmm. Came from LSU. I mean, he was a horse. Very, very, yeah. He's always, to me, has been a freak of nature when it comes to being an athlete. Uh, what is your thoughts on the Jaguars releasing him? I think that that means that they're getting ready to tear everything down again. Um, they Man, did get a they bunch barely of. Uh, had anything. Well, they made a playoff run a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, uh, that's true. 
Yeah, I forget what year that is now. Was it 2018, maybe? It had to be rookie year of uh, Leonard Fournette. It had to be. But I know they made a playoff run and got fairly deep, and the defense was playing amazing. As a matter of fact, they still had Calais Campbell, um, and the defensive line was super stout. Um, mm-hmm. To no avail now, of course, but uh, those boys were bad. And it's one of those things in the NFL. Like, usually if a team is on the cusp or uh, – and I guess that's just sports in general. If a team is on the cusp, they try to add pieces around and keep those core guys happy. They might be a little bit more um, difficult in football just because there's so many more working pieces that have to work to make your team uh, to make your team function well. Um, yeah. But it looks like they're getting ready to blow that whole situation up and start over again. Uh, and just see what they can get going from there. It was tragedy to let that man go, though, because he was getting used at like a 60% clip. And it's like, all right, well, but it's kind of the thing for running backs, too, though, right? That um, when it comes time to pay those guys, uh, especially if they were r- rookies and um, had any kind of production, you try to get them out of there as quickly as possible because the next running back stud is coming that can carry your running game for the next three to four years. Um, and with that, you know, that you can stand to lose said talent. Uh, I don't know if that means like the giant and Saquon's going to ever get to a place that they part because it's like generational talent, but you'll find a workhorse uh, for three or four years and then find another one that's right behind them. Yeah, that kind of that kind of sucks for the running back. Um, there's not that, you know, old school Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith that has a lot of years ahead of him. Um, I was hearing that, you know, because Leonard Fournette was a I, I thought he was a elusive back, but people were saying that he was like a pound. Oh pound no, Neil! <laughs> you wanted to get to him before he got five. Once he got five yards and moving, you weren't bringing him down one person. <laughs> That's how. Yeah, I. I guess I'm. I'm so used to him when I saw him at LSU. I didn't really. I seen him a little bit at Jacksonville, but no, he had a lot of injuries. Um, I was. I was reading something where how the NFL and some of the teams and coaches want to get away from that pounding running back and want to get into that running back that can catch the ball. Like, even though I thought Leonard Fournette was okay and catching the ball in the backfield, I didn't think he was bad at it. Uh, I just think he had an unfair, you know, with the quarterback. We had Blake Boyles. He had, uh, he even had Denar Robinson at Michigan, you know, playing running back and quarterback here and there. Um, you know, he had a lot of, you know, different matchups for him as far as like quarterback and his offense so I don't know I guess it I guess like you said they want to rebuild I understand they let go of Jalen Ramsey in the middle of the season to the Rams last year so I get what they're trying to do but it's like they're tearing the whole thing apart like yeah like they already know that we're going to tank this season so I'm wondering if um some team like the New England Patriots or like the Miami Dolphins, I see picking up a player like Leonard Fournette. Oh, definitely. Uh, he's not going to stay uh, a free agent for very long at all. Um, but like it said to the point earlier, that that's usually how it works. The running backs end up taking way more hits than uh, anybody else on the field. So you're trying to recycle those guys out, unfortunately, as quickly as possible. Um unless you have generational talent that comes through your Zeke's of the game, your, uh, 
Saquon, your Nick Chubbs, um, Delvin Cooks. And, you know, those guys don't come out every year. There's every once every blue moon, you get one of those studs to come out. But yeah, they, there's no way that I'm letting Fournette go. I'd pick him up myself. Hey, we need to go ahead and pick him up on the Saints and get a three back system going. Nah, we don't need to do that. We don't need all that firepower. You're you being greedy. No, I'm not. <laughs> Jacksonville pay the rest of that. Uh, Pay the rest of his contract. Come on to New Orleans, bro. That's where you're from anyway. LSU, come on <laughs> home. And that's crazy. I can see something like that happen. I even see something like him going to the Ravens and him pairing him up with Mark Ingram. Like, I just yeah, see something. <laughs> I can just see some craziness like that. Um, before we end, I, I read something that Bill Belichick said, nobody's outworking Cam Newton, that Cam Newton has been put in a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I know we talked about it in a previous episode when we talked about the NFL coming back. Uh, do you see Cam Newton being productive with the Patriots? Definitely. Um, it's a matter of him learning the system itself. Uh, I'm curious to see, just like with Kawhi, we, I, I'm curious to see what Brady's able to do outside of the system that made him successful. Um, Matt Castle is the quarterback that pops up into my mind here that uh, when Brady went down with that knee injury and he had that great year in that system that he didn't reproduce that anywhere else. And I think he went to Kansas City and a couple other spots before he uh, got out of the NFL. So I'll be curious to see how they tailor game plans for Cam and his uh, skill set as well as um, the pieces that they put around them. Heaven help them if they do get Leonard Fournette there with Cam Newton and can run a read option kind of uh, offense with uh, with those receivers that don't necessarily have to be that great in all honesty if you have those two running threats in the backfield they got to beat one person because chances are they're going to be in man coverage so mm, that's true that seems like that's going to be uh, I might even start a franchise and make that happen now I appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what's going to happen um are they going to change their system for Cam? Cam, you know, could be a dual threat at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as he gotten older, he's learning to stay in the pocket and make good decisions. But I really, really wonder if they're going to have different plays for him, just like, you know, how Baltimore Ravens have different plays for Lamar and the Chiefs have different plays for Patrick. I think yeah. for the Patriots to be successful, especially them not having you know, a whole lot of receiving power, I mean, you still got... Um, Sanu, you still, yeah, Edelman, you still have those players, but I, I wonder if they're gonna do a lot of, uh, you know, shotgun plays, uh, a lot of, you know, maybe Wildcats. Who knows? You know, I just hope that they surround him with a lot of, you know, a lot of plays and make sure the system is good. Just because I don't, I don't want him to see him one year and gone and go to another team. I want him to kind of find a home. I feel like with the Carolina situation, although I feel like he he was injured, maybe it was time for him to go. They were going in a different direction, especially making pretty much Christian McCaffrey the franchise player now. So uh, hopefully, hopefully Cam will get you know get his thing going like he had his MVP year. Um, I don't know if they're going to Super Bowl or anything like that, but. I do see them being in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, it all plays out, honestly. Um, 
I am curious to see what kind of offense they put around him in general, um, because the consensus was that he didn't really have to make a ton of reads, and that's uh, his IQ as far as a QB wasn't there, so to speak. It was more of one to two reads and get the ball out or take off for him, and I wonder if the offense is going to turn into that for him or if it's going to be a place where he has the opportunity to make multiple reads and make decisions with his arm and instead of relying so much on his feet to make plays, maybe turn into like mm-hmm. a 30-year-old a Michael Vick kind of thing where he can take like, off, but for the most part, he he's not. Kind of like when Michael Vick was with the Eagles. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I can see that being a thing. Well, say, is there anything else you want to end in before we uh, get out of here? Anything else you want to add? Yeah, I do. I didn't talk to these punks about talking junk about this here Matt and I was playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it ended up with really bad reviews on Metacritic, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a, it's an old head now when it comes to uh, gaming that mm. um, that despite it having its flaws it's kind of like well accept it for what it is and kind of move forward um, someone challenged me on my thinking when it came down to it saying that I'm just telling people essentially just to shut up and play the game when they paid their money and have an opportunity to gripe and all this other stuff um, which I didn't think that that's the direction that I was going in it was just kind of like well every all there's not a game that comes out that doesn't have glitches first and foremost secondly um, you can always just not play it if it really bothers you that much but it feels like the cool thing to do is to like <laughs> poke fun at or try to get something trending about uh, a game not working or laughing about the glitches and things along those lines which is funny I guess but for me I'm just kind of like yeah it works for me so I'm happy mm-hmm. and I got called a sheep because <laughs> <laughs> called me a sheep because it's like well you're just gonna play it anyway you just said you're gonna adjust to it you're not gonna whine I'm like no because I'm not someone that does a lot of whining because kind of like I use it for this purpose does it accomplish this job for me yes all right then I move on if it ever gets to a place to where it's not accomplishing the job that I needed to or it's causing me a ton of frustration I just move forward and that's right. literally how I look at life in general. If something um, gets to a place to where it's uh, a thing of just being an annoyance, I just move forward and say, all right, well, screw this. I'm, I'm moving on instead of trying to fight with someone to make something better uh, or things along those lines. I don't know. I, like I said, it could just be me being old and being like, well, we got a game. Uh, well, go play the alternative. Oh, there's no alternative? All right, well, shut up. Yeah, they. I remember those grumblings about NFL 2K coming back. Um, I was a little excited, I ain't gonna lie, because I was much better at that <laughs> compared to that. <laughs> but I, you know, a lot of times, too, you got to think about it with gamers, especially, like, people that are you, you're not going to always please. You're not going to always. It's not going to be perfect. It's rare that we come across games that has no complaints. Um, I think if you just get used to it. I mean, I remember playing 2K this year. Well, the last one, um, 2K was a 20. Yeah. And I was kind of like, yo, this is a little... Like, some of the playing defense, some of the... Uh, you know, me shooting the ball and I'm like directly by the rim and missing. I was getting frustrated, but I had to learn to adjust. 
Um, I did have my, you know, criticism about it, but I had to kind of, I guess I had to kind of get used to it. There was nothing I could do, you know, but I still want to play the game. And like you kind of said, I mean, you don't like it, shit, don't play. <laughs> so. I feel like that's the thing with everything, though. Like, if you don't like something, yeah. I'm not a fan of uh, Dodge Chargers, but opportunity came along for me to get a Charger. I probably wouldn't get one because I don't like the cars. But mm-hmm. if a Challenger or a Durango had issues that, uh, I guess I'm kind of going left field, but if a Challenger or a Durango had issues with it, then I would do everything that I can to fix it, but then understand that there's not things coming out that are like completely um, 100% super functional in all capacities. Sometimes things happen, sometimes glitches happen. It's a part of using mechanics as a whole or um, electronics, probably a better word. So, but why are we pretending? Well, the sports gamers or the games don't care. Gaming companies don't care about the, cl- uh, the the clients anymore. And I'm like, well, is it that they don't care about the consumers? Like, yeah, because if they didn't, they wouldn't give us all of these uh, halfway completed games. Like, well, we should probably blame mobile games first because that's where it started at the whole microtransaction thing. And then other gaming markets saw that there was a place for um, in-app purchases and people just flocked to it for impulsive, um, addictive natures. But are we blaming the companies for taking advantage of stuff that people do naturally? I mean, shouldn't it be on the person to be a little bit more uh, ready and able to control their impulses? Yeah, you got a point. <laughs> Especially what you said about the charger. Like, if you don't like something, you don't you don't see yourself getting it. Like, I don't like certain colors. I don't plan on getting that color just so I don't agitate myself. Right, right. So. And then the other part of that argument was that, well, you're doing well. The exact same thing can be said for you and making a comment. You, you know, you could just see it and move forward. I'm like, yeah. And you could see it and also move forward. What is the point? What, what point are you making? It's okay to have criticism and have things you don't like, you know. But if if it's if it's that bad, like you said, just don't play it. You Damn, who the hell knows? You gonna look crazy as hell still playing something you don't like, dog. And. <laughs> I play with people in 2K <laughs> and my man went on a full-blown rant and said, I can't stand this effing game. Even when I'm winning, I'm not having fun playing this effing game. F this game. Yelling in my ear. I thought it was the most hilarious thing I've ever heard in my life. A day and a half later, he hits me up and hey, we getting on 2K. But didn't you just say that this is the most non-fun that you've ever had while playing a game? Why are you still playing it? If it's causing you that much distress. And that's what leads me to believe that people really don't like the idea isn't that the game is bad. It's just that it's causing frustration. Right. I agree. <laughs> that, was, that was a good observation about Madden. I see that you're going, you're seeing the people already in the game only been out for a few weeks. <laughs> it ain't been a week. It'll be a week tomorrow. Oh my God. No, I'm lying. So the game officially launched on Friday. Um, if you bought the early access, you got it Tuesday. Um, excuse me. And then, yeah, but the thing is, is that the the companies have rated it at a decent score or whatever, usually what Madden gets rated at, but the Metacritic one has rated it at a really low rating and everyone's going off of that. It's like, when do we start going off of Metacritic ratings? Or... Mm-hmm. 
when did we start going off of ratings in general? Because everybody's experience is different and it usually depends on reading the room. If someone really likes the game, then they're thrown in this place of being like this bot or um, blind to the fact that, you know, the game sucks or whatever. But yeah. then if everyone's making fun of the game, oh, well, let's go ahead and continue to do that. The whole sense of like mob mentality. No, I agree. Well, thank you. That is all I have on my end. Same here. I feel better now I got that out. You got that off your chest. I'm glad this is therapy for you. I'm glad to hear that you let that out without cussing kids out. Yeah, for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Roundtable Sports Podcast. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, and other platforms that support podcasts. And we'll catch you guys next week. Yep.